When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. This is the last episode of season one. Next week, we'll begin season two, as it'll be a brand new NFL calendar year, as the Patriots and the Rams kick off the Super Bowl this Sunday. But first, we're brought to you by the great folks at AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. Okay, guys, Dolphins got some new coaches. Simon, fill us in. Yeah, so two more new guys that we found out about, uh, adding to Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator coming over from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Chad O'Shea, he looks like he's going to be the offensive coordinator, who's currently the wide receivers coach at the Patriots. Jim Caldwell coming in as quarterbacks coach and a sort of associate head coach uh, underneath Brian Flores. It looks like we're keeping Darren Rizzi. Looks potentially like we're keeping Eric Studersville, the the running backs coach, the excellent running backs coach. Uh, We lost Shane Day, the tight ends coach. He went to the 49ers. But Marion Hobby, uh, it's going to come in. Uh, uh, I didn't actually say exactly which position the hobby would be taking over, but I assume it's a defensive line. Um, and Rob Leonard, who has come over from the Giants. Hobby's very interesting uh, and a really good hire, actually. Hobby is currently the Jaguars defensive line coach. I watched a very interesting video with him earlier on talking about how he likes to use his guys with the Jaguars and how he used his guys with Clemson. Uh, and as I say before that, he was with the Tigers, spent two terms with Dabo Swinney. Um, most recently through until 2016 for three, four years, um, where he was in charge of getting players like Shaq Lawson and Andre Branch and Vic Beasley to the NFL. Uh, He helped recruit Christian Wilkins and Cleveland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence and Albert Huggins and Austin Bryant. Uh, So he is uh, well-versed in seriously good defensive linemen. To me, that's one of the, you know, that's a really good hire. and then Leonard. Leonard came in essentially from, from NC State. Um, he was a graduate assistant and has been a graduate assistant under under um, 
first of all, Tom Coughlin and then Pat Shermer. Um, and he was, uh, he graduated to the defensive line and then took over from Jeff Scanina um, and then moved to assistant outside linebackers coach. So I assume he'll be replacing Frank Bush as our linebackers coach, although he may just continue to be an assistant. I suspect he's a guy that Graham will have worked with when Patrick Graham was with the, uh, was with the Giants. Um, and as somebody that probably comes highly recommended from Graham. So a couple of interesting hires. Guys, what do you think? I mean, Hobby certainly ticks the boxes for me. I wonder if uh, if if Anderson is going to be an outside linebackers coach for Miami, you know, as they, they potentially shift to a 3-4 or, um, or some sort of odd front approach. It doesn't have to be an exact 3-4. I mean, there, there are all kinds of ways to do it and still have two gapping linebackers up – or not line, linemen up front and have linebackers on the outside who are linebackers slash defensive ends who are responsible for edge rushing and also playing in space. And so I wonder if Anderson is, is sort of here because of that or, um, or what they're going to do. I mean, we'll, we'll find out as we go, but uh, just like you hobby stands out. Uh, you like a guy that comes from, I mean, Hey, if you're a position coach, I hope your position played well <laughs> and, and his position played well. I mean, over the last couple of years with the Jacksonville Jaguars I and mean, yeah, they, they bought it. They, um, they bought guys like Calais Campbell and uh, Malik Jackson, but uh, there's something to be said for when you bring those free agents in, you actually get good results there and you get good defensive line play because how many times have we seen you bring in other guys from outside your team and it's just a big disappointment. It just all falls through and doesn't work for some reason. And so he, he made good on it. Chad O'Shea is interesting um, because – I, I kind of put this along. I put this in the same category as I would like when Adam Gase brought over Vance Joseph. In that, yeah, it was clearly a friend. It was, you know, there, there's a re, the primary requirement and the reason that he's here is probably because they coach together, which uh, to me isn't necessarily a good thing. But at the same time, this is a respectable coordinator candidate that would have his phone call ringing anyway. And, um, and that's, I, that's the, the good thing about Chad O'Shea. And one thing that you hear about Josh McDaniel or from Josh McDaniels, whenever they're talking about Chad O'Shea in new England is that in addition to his being the wide receivers coach, he is in charge of, they put their, their offensive staff in charge of different situations. Um, I don't know if that's unique in the NFL, but this is what they do. And Chad O'Shea is responsible for red zone. So he's responsible for essentially the game planning, um, and playbook uh, in in the red zone. And over the last three years, uh, maybe only one other team in the NFL has been better at scoring touchdowns in the red zone than the New England Patriots, and that's, I think, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're like number two or maybe number one, uh, depending on how you score it, in the red zone over the last three years with Chad O'Shea running that. So, again, you get an assistant, and he's, he's like a position coach, or he's in charge of something, I hope what he was in charge of was actually pretty good. And he was. So um, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, otherwise, well, you look at a guy like Yannick Ngokwe as well, who's somebody who's really developed over the last couple of seasons. He's a, mm-hmm. you know, you would, you would say that he is directly responsible for Ngokwe's, I get 11 and a half sacks two seasons ago. And You're talking about Harvey? Can, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One other guy, I suppose, I mean, sort of doing the, trying to do the maths and look, Deguiglimo, or however you pronounce it, uh, we talked about him last week. Um, Were you just struggling with that name for that long? Is that why there was that like three seconds? Pretty, I think that's yeah. I think I just bored myself. Um, (laughs) So we talked about we talked about Dave 
him last week. <laughs> Thinking about the Patriots, because it's obvious that we're plucking guys. What, what do you know about the Chad Popovich, who's the backup? That's right? me, Cole, Cole Popovich. Um, He's the assistant to, to the king that is Dante Scarnecchia. But yeah, absolutely. Cole Popovich, even. Um, the king of the NFL offensive yeah. line. Yeah. Um, but, Cole Popovich is, a, uh, is, is his assistant. They brought him in. And I believe um, the 2016 season, or no, no, sorry, the 2015, midway through the 2015 season, I believe. Um, he he hailed originally. We saw him play. Uh, we evaluated him. He was he was an offensive lineman at Fresno State. Fresno uh, State, yeah, yeah. So so we we saw him play, and he came highly recommended by Pat Hill, who's a very well respected coach, uh, former head coach of Fresno State. And uh, and he really stumped for him as an uh, as a like assistant coach. He made his way through some city colleges uh, over in California as a as an assistant coach, um, as an offensive line coach. Uh, he's been a GA at Utah State. Uh, he he got hired on to uh, New England Patriots staff for uh, in midway through 2015, and for the first couple of years, it appears that he was a um, sort of a, a film room guy like nobody the, some of the offensive tackles were even saying I don't really even know what he does he just locks himself in a, in a, in a film room all day so he, he he kind of took his lumps there and then he's been a little bit more hands-on with the offensive line in the last two years culminating in this year 2018 uh, he was the offensive line coach instead of Dante Skarnakia for the fourth preseason game where they where the Patriots have this tradition of sort of allowing some of their assistants to um to to bump up a little bit and and Chad O'Shea for instance did play calling in that game and uh, and Cole Popovich became the offensive line coach in that game so he's sort of supposed to be Dante Scarnecchia's uh, replacement in waiting uh, I guess um, the the heir apparent in New England and so you wonder if if Dante is just not retiring fast enough, <laughs> it's sort of like how Josh McDaniels is, uh, is just won't leave. And that's why we're, that's why the Miami dolphins are going to get Chad O'Shea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you wonder if that's, if Miami could get Cole Popovich that way, instead of Dave DeGuglielmo, uh, who I honestly, I would, I'd be happy with either. I'd probably prefer DeGuglielmo at this point because he's got more skins on the wall and he's, he's a little bit more, I don't know, of a formed you know, offensive line coach with a proven track record, especially this past season in Indianapolis. But uh, if if that falls through for any reason, I mean, we've not heard that they're actually hiring DeGuglielmo yet. We just know that they've reached out. If that falls through, you have to wonder if maybe you could kind of fall back on Cole Popovich and give him a call and see if uh, see if he's ready to to step up and be a full offensive line coach uh, right now. Yeah. Now, Marion Hobby. He helped recruit Christian Wilkins, and if there's a guy who's like staring us right in the face at number 13, if it's not going to be Kyler Murray, would be Christian Wilkins, a guy who I was telling, I was telling Chris last week that he reminds me a lot of Russell Maryland, and a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, Russell Maryland, you know, he's not in the Hall of Fame or anything. Russell Mar- Maryland was good. He was really, really, really good. He was really good. He just had he just had a checkered injury history toward the end of his career, and that's why it was kind of cut short because he could have easily played sixteen seasons. Mm. The thing about Christian Wilkins that jumps off, off off the page with with me is that he got consistently better every single season. Yeah, you know, that's people right. say, "Oh, he's maxed out. He's maxed out." After us, he had a great he had a great 
sophomore season. Oh, he's maxed out. He had a great junior season. He, he's going to go to the NFL. Oh, he comes back because he wants to win another national championship. Well, he's not going to have that. And it turns out he had a better season as a senior than he did as a junior. Better season as a junior. You know, he's, he's somebody that just gets better and better and better. And, you know, you, you watch interviews with him. He's the brightest kid in the room. He's going, to yeah. be a C, he's going to be a CEO of a company at some stage. You know, he, he gave this great interview with Maria Taylor and, um, and um, God, I can't think of her name, Harley Rowe recently. We talked about how he'd, um, you know, he'd already graduated. So he had too much spare time. He didn't want to, you know, after working out and weights and studying his playbook and stuff, he was like, I'm, I'm bored. So he went and uh, became a sort of trainee teacher and taught kindergarten kids. And he said that, you know, the, the experience was fantastic, but you just see that the, just the, I don't know, the coolness just oozing out of every pore of him. And he's a guy that absolutely loves football. And it's something that, it's something that Steve Ross talked about when, when Adam Gaze was, was fired, was that mm. they were going to select foot guys that love to play football. And Christian Wilkins is mm. absolutely that. And if you're looking for a guy who's played at a high level, tick. A guy who's a team captain, tick. A guy who's intelligent, graduated early, tick. A guy who's a team player, tick. A guy who's going to be a team captain, tick. And a guy who just got better and better and better and better, then tick, tick, tick. You know, there's lots of, you know, we'll talk ad infinitum between now and the draft about whether or not we take a quarterback, whether or not we fill the lines. And there are players, you know, Cody Fords and the Chris Lindstrom's and the Garrett Bradbury's and the Dalton Risner's and the, you know, uh, Jack Hypolites and Montez Sweats and, and Jeffrey Simmons's and, uh, of the world who are all equally good players but there's just something about Wilkins and now the connection with Hobby as well who knows him inside out and Cleveland Ferrell as well to you know um, but it, it does feel like you know he would be a front line target for us as we as we move forward and somebody what? that would fit fit that defensive scheme that Flores is almost certainly going to run wouldn't he just fit right alongside of the last two or two, you know, two of the high picks from recent drafts, Raekwon McMillan mm. and, and Minka Fitzpatrick. If you think about how explicit they were about we're getting this guy because he is, you know, basically Superman in the, yeah. in the locker room or mm. off the field and character and has everything that you want there. Wouldn't a Christian Wilkins just fit right in with that, you know? And, 100%. On the other hand, you know, you think of the guy that's that's kind of falling through, slipping through the cracks a little bit, uh, is Charles Harris, and mm. we're kind of wondering what's going on there. And that's a guy, you know, while while I'm sure he's a great character, the thing we keep hearing about is that he's, you know, his temperament. He's not handling he's not handling the the lack of success very well. He takes it very hard, and um and he's and he's starting he he like loses confidence. Um, because of that and and you wonder you know was he the same kind of character you know slash superman pick uh that way as a raekwon or a minka or you, you know where are they going to go are they going to are they going to try to make sure they get back to that to make sure they're hitting on these first round picks again mm. now one last thing on marion hobby before we move on to the senior bowl he can be found online saying glowing things about dante fowler mm. He's a free agent he's at the end of the day. Free agent, yeah. Does he make any sense? I suppose it depends what happens in the Super Bowl because he's played pretty well at times for Jackson uh, for um for the Rams. It, I think it. I think it all depends on what happens in the Super Bowl. He's played well in the playoffs. Uh, he forced the big fumble at the end of the Seattle game with Russell Wilson, sort of mid-season. So he's played well in fits and starts. Obviously, most of that pressure is is geared to that interior. Um, so he faces one. You know, the, and really, you're doubling Aaron Donald. So he's he's facing single. You know. 
he's singled up almost every snap because of the the pressure that Donald and um, and Adamakan Sue bring on the inside. I, I don't think he's ever going to live up to being the second overall pick or whatever, or third overall pick. But yeah, mm-hmm. you'd um, you know, you wonder where you're going to where you're going to play him. You know, would you play him as an outside linebacker in a in a three four front? Would he? You know, I don't think he's. I don't know how heavy he is, but he doesn't strike me as being in the two seventies, two eighties. But yeah, I mean, he feels Chris like a guy that could have potential. Well, he's yeah, coming think... off. He's coming off a twenty-three million dollar four-year deal. I don't mm. see how he asked for much more. Like he hasn't shown that he's going to be a five for fifty-five guy. So... He's two fifty. He's two fifty-one. So he's going to be as... pretty cheap, I would uh, say. No. I, he should be. He should be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay for him. Like no, I, I wouldn't either. You know what I mean? Like uh, if we're looking at a free agent, the free agent, and an outside free agent at that, then we're often looking at sort of inflated contracts and and stuff like that. And I I don't see that. I don't see that for him. I don't see Miami even necessarily going for that. But actually, what I wonder is, okay, you've got Hobby coming in. He coached Andre Branch. They've already got him, and, and yes, it is an expensive deal. It is a contract he shouldn't have. I believe it's for $8 million per or $7 million per or something, something along those lines. Might they find a way to say, hey, listen, you might have been in line to be cut before. Um, we don't want that to happen. Can we go back and work something out with this deal now that Hobby is coming in and you know, fit to be fitting to be his, his coach again? And uh, maybe that maybe that does work. I don't know. Maybe a different uh, different defensive approach works well for Andre Branch. He does pull back into space really well. I've always mm. found. And he and, does um he does yeah he works back doesn't he and he hustles yeah. and he he works Absolutely. hard. The other yeah. the other guy that they talked about getting rid of and he probably doesn't fit the um he probably doesn't fit the Stephen Ross. We're not going to pay for older guys. But Malik Jackson looks like he's going to be released and because it's just a financial squeeze. They're going to have to pay in Gakwe and um you know there's the they're going to have to pay uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Miles Jack uh, and those guys. He's a guy that might might find himself on the outside looking in in terms of, you know, especially with Taven Bryant, who they drafted last year, and you know, Marcel Darius is still there. And, uh, you know, he's, a, he's another name that, you know, he's 29, so probably doesn't quite fit the age bracket. But, you know, Hobby, if he likes him, Hobby would, you, you'd suspect that Hobby will go to bat for him as well, wouldn't you? I would, uh, I would say so. All right, the Senior Bowl was played this past weekend, and the North wins, 34-24. Nobody cares about that. But Daniel Jones was the MVP. Oh, God. They for 11 for 115. <laughs> what just touchdown. happened? I just laughed. Exactly. I, I'll, I thought you just – that sounded like a fart. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a snort. Yeah. I, I thought it was a hell of a commentary on Daniel Jones. Yeah. He yeah. might as well have been a fart. Now – uh, this alone, if you just look at it, 8 for 11, 115, a touchdown, no interceptions. He should have had two interceptions, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he should have. Okay. Uh, he's MVP. I don't know who the hell votes for the MVP. By the way, do we know who votes for the MVP? Who votes for the MVP, Simon? Probably Jim Nagy. It's probably his. I, th- uh, I think so. Okay. I I think think we don't want to get him too mad at us. He already hates Yeah, he, he goes after. He hates Chris already, yeah. <laughs> he already well, hates me a lot. <laughs> What a better place to start than the quarterbacks and MVP Daniel Jones. Yeah. Simon, take it away. Your assessment of all these guys. I mean, uh, realistically, you know, there were three quarterbacks that uh, not even really stood out, but three quarterbacks that perhaps elevated themselves above the mediocrity of everybody else. Um, uh, and really, there were probably Drew Locke, who kind of turned up and did what you expected him to do. I don't think he, I don't think he showed up like 
uh, you know, the number one overall pick, which he won't be, but it does feel very much like some of the rumours, and you listen to people who know the Denver scene, like um, Sigmund Bloom and to Ben Albright and people like that, it, it does feel like the Denver Broncos seem quite locked in to lock with that 10th overall pick. John Elway, sounds like John Elway is kind of in love with him. The interesting thing, Albert Breer brought it up the other day, uh, he, he talked about the incredible simplicity of both the Missouri offence but also his high school offense. There's some concerns about how he picks up and how he deals with a very complicated NFL offense um, and reads and, and progressions and those sorts of things. It's just something he's never really done. And there are the- rumors that this this new offense that um, they brought in this year that they really had to sort of you know go, dumb it down. Go, yeah. yeah, dumb it down. I hate to use that term, but you know go a little bit simpler uh, for for much of the year. Uh, before it started, to, before he really started to get into it. So um, go ahead, but it, it fits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so he flashed a big arm and some of the inconsistency, but made what looked like the better throw. Some of the throws to Terry McLaurin were, were terrific in, in mm. the corner of the end zone, especially um, in, in the practices. I thought, and Chris, you mentioned it, Ryan Finley sort of raised his head above the parapet and didn't, didn't, embarrass himself at times and then no. certainly in the game the the kid from buffalo tyree jackson who 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 has incredible physical tools six foot seven and you know cannon for an arm but has the ability to move around the pocket but is very raw but is somebody that you, you could get hold of and really sort of manipulate a little bit into a, a little, i suppose a little bit like the patriots did with jacoby Brissett. you give him a couple of years worth of coaching you know, and you coach him hard. And, you know, Brissett obviously had Tom Brady to, to, to play up to. So, you know, if we draft him, then David Fails will obviously give it. <laughs> Sorry, who am I kidding? <laughs> but, no, but you know what I mean. But he's a moldable piece of play. And he showed in the game that he, you know, he can make big throws. Um, he's inconsistent. But I think uh, as far as the rest go, uh, I think generally it was a fairly disappointing uh, showing. It wasn't a great class of quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, and I think the most disappointing uh, performance was from Will Greer, the guy that what seems like half of social media want to uh, deify and the other half realise that he isn't very good, which he, which he really isn't. I mean, look, he, you know, he's a fine college quarterback, but, you know, when you break it down and you look at it in its most simplistic terms, Will Greer is not an NFL starting quarterback. And if he is, then the three of us are going to look massive idiots because we've been coating him off for months. <laughs> so essentially, I'm no, going we'll to come off, the Hall of Fame from here on out. I'm going to have to come off Twitter if he starts playing really well in the NFL. Because so, so many morons are going to be coming after me, which is fine. I can take it, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it's quite funny. But currently, as it stands, he does not show to me consistently, either in the practices, which I thought were very telling, but also on film. He doesn't show consistently the sorts of things I think the NFL scouts are looking for. And people say, oh, Will Greer is going to be a great quarterback. But if he's going to be a great quarterback, why is he not going to be the first overall pick in the draft? Why are teams not going to be trading up for him? In a terrible year for quarterbacks, why are teams not thinking about Greer in the top three? Why is he being talked about as a second-round prospect if he's a really great player? And people say, well, you know, great quarterbacks don't always get taken in the first round, and that's very true. But in a year of very, very average quarterbacks, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray aside, why is he not being talked up as a top-three prospect? Mm-hmm. The reason? He's not good enough. All right, I'll give my assessment, and then I'll let Chris just take it away on these guys. Uh, first of all, Gardner Minshew, my God, that, that was a, as bad a performance as you could have in a that game. Was, that as, was terrible and and really confusing because yeah. I, I normally <laughs> think of him as better than that, you know, just, just a better gamer, you know? Yeah, but no, he was absolutely horrific. I came away thinking that there's not a first-round quarterback in this entire group. Now, mm. are good two of them make it into the first round? Absolutely, because, you know, it's the NFL draft. People need quarterbacks. People want quarterbacks. People tend to overdraft them toward the end of the first round. But, EJ Manuel went in the first round. Yeah, exactly. 
So Christian I, Ponder. Yeah. yeah. What I came away with was Jared Stidham. JP Losman. Not bad. <laughs> oh yeah, Jared Stidham played pretty well actually. Yeah. yeah. I, th- that's my entire assessment of this entire group was Jared Stidham. Not bad. Not terrible. <laughs> I'm not but you excited, know but you know, I'm I'm not hating him. He didn't piss on his own shoes, is what you're saying. Well, yes, to say that, but but <laughs> I mean the thing the thing that we had to come in answering the questions about were I mean we knew that he could throw and he's got a pretty good arm, but he fell apart under pressure at Auburn, and he had two sack fumbles in this game, <laughs> yes. and, and it's it's like well way to way to basically reinforce what's already being perceived about you, yeah. and, and that's, so that's that's what you have to go on or go with him. And I don't know if, if the quarterbacks, if you're looking at the quarterbacks, uh, I, I think I agree with you. There's not a first round pick, a bona fide first round pick among them, but um, you walk in, some of these guys walk in with a question that they have to answer. Uh, Will Greer, clearly the question he had to answer was about arm strength. He knew it. And, uh, and he tried to answer it. And because he tried to answer it, uh, you know, he was throwing, footballs that couldn't hit the broad side of a barn uh, all week and including during the game itself and also footballs I mean there were there were times in the game there's one in particular he's rolling out to the left and he's trying to hit Hunter Renfro and I'm not talking about the hot air balloon that Hunter Renfro actually caught I'm, t- I'm talking about a different one that you know he actually threw out there the ball came off hot uh, out of his hands and it looked good except it came apart in the air and if you see the field level camera as the ball is arriving, you know, a, a very serious overthrow. Um, it was a total knuckleball. It was a quacking duck by the end of the throw. And that's what happens when you try to overpower your throws and you become a thrower instead of a passer and uh, not even a good thrower at that. So, um, so I think he was trying to, I think he was trying to amp up the, uh, the velocity and, and he paid for it. He's not as bad of a quarterback as he looked all weekend during the game, he's, he was at, you know, he may not be an NFL quarterback, Simon and I and, and, and Alf, you agree. We, we talk about it many times, but he's better than that. He's better than what he showed at the senior bowl. Yeah. Uh, he's more accurate than that. He's more accurate. He was more accurate at West Virginia. Um, he just plays within a certain comfort zone as far as his velocity. And when he, when he tried to go out of it at the senior bowl to impress everybody, he really paid the price. Uh, Daniel Jones, he got the MVP, but, you know, Pat White got the MVP once upon a time, too. Davis Webb got the MVP at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't see anybody um, – I don't see anything from And Baker him. Mayfield, I think, threw six passes last year. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield had, like, a really awful game, actually, if you look at it. Uh, and so it's, it's not really – I don't know if it's very meaningful. He didn't, he didn't answer his own questions about arm strength because during the game he's throwing floaters. He didn't answer the questions about bad decisions because, as you said, there were, there were a couple of passes that should have been picked off. He didn't answer questions about him under pressure because he got sacked a couple of times. And, and, but the thing about Tyree Jackson is he came in, you know, all right, we know what you're trying to be. You're trying to be a, um, a moldable, you know, lump of clay, a, uh, a developmental prospect. Uh, are you that? And, and show me what you've got. And he went into the game and that's exactly what he looked like. I mean, he looked like he had a lot of talent, except he's, you know, very raw. But at the same time, his feet were improproving. Uh, I've seen him on tape this year at times look like his feet are, are rooted into the ground. Like he, not, he doesn't even move them 
as he switches from looking at one side of the field to the other, you know, and throwing and throwing to the other side of the field. Like he just he just doesn't move his feet very well. In and it almost pocket. feels like he did that this week at this last week, isn't it? It almost yeah, feels like he was coached. To, and if and if it, that was the case, then that's really encouraging that he can take very. that sort of thing, take it into a game, having learned it and picked it up so quickly. So quickly, exactly, exactly right. So he, he, like, are you a developmental guy? That's the question. And showing that he, he can already improve something that quickly shows that he is a developmental guy. And at the same time, he also showed the cannon arm and he showed the ability to steal base. You know, he, he ran for a first down at one point. He ran for an 11-yard run. He showed those things that he needed to show. He did also have a really, really bad pick as he rolled out um and and he threw one right to the defender but um but that's you know hey that's why you're in development and like i said or on the other podcast he had to learn to throw the ball from youtube videos in high school because he didn't have the proper coaching so this is this is a guy that you're going to take with a developmental pick to be a developmental guy and he proved that he could be that ryan finley on the other hand what was the question what was he trying to be i think everybody nobody really thinks of him as a starter everybody thinks of him as a as a backup can you be that? Can you go out there and just execute? Execute the offense, you know, not puke on your own shoes. Just go ahead and, and complete passes. They don't have to be the prettiest, you know, Aaron Rodgers passes, uh, you know, with the best arm strength and the best velocity. Can you go out there and do that? He went out there and did that. Gardner Minshew, on the other hand, didn't. And so, you know, one, one, for, one for Ryan Finley, zero for Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew, I don't think anybody thinks of him as a starter either he's gonna he's fighting to be a backup a guy that can go ahead and run your offense and um and so i i look at it that way like who who had these questions what were their questions going in and what did they show during the game that either answered or the question positively or negatively or not at all and um and that's that's how, sort of how i come out i don't know if i missed anybody there but i don't, I, so. I don't know that i want any of them <laughs> very, very quickly before we go to break just some names that stood out for me through the week and then I'll get them from you guys for me Dalton Risner um, mm. I thought I had a very strong week uh, Kalen Saunders I, I think uh, Lucia Adderley um, Terry McLaurin um, would, would be a handful of the names I think that, that certainly stood out for me as players that you thought came you know as uh, as good players Chris Lindstrom another the, the guard from Boston College I thought was uh, had a really solid week just, just guys that and Char, probably Charles Amenahu as well of, of Texas who looks like a, a potential Brian Flores piece who could play inside outside has the size to do both it, just guys that kind of came there with decent college reputations as good players uh, and really only enhanced them you know, Risner especially I thought you know looked looked look like a really good player a, a tackle who can probably play guard and probably actually can play centre as well um, very valuable piece. What, what about you two boys? Anybody else that stood out for you guys that you thought, you know, just kind of either you were surprised by it or kind of confirmed what you've seen on tape? Yeah, for me, it was Dalen Mack and Kellen Saunders uh, as advertised. I'm not sure that they're in that number 13 area, no. but on a trade down, absolutely. Uh, Mack did well, given that he, you know, was a call up essentially after strong performance at the Shrine practices, Chris. Yeah. Which which one uh, are you talking Dale about? Dalen Mack, wasn't it? Oh, Dalen Mack. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were talking about Kalen Saunders. I was oh, like, Dalen Mack. Yeah, I would have seen him. <laughs> and the Seer Adderley, uh, he's, he's been consistently a favorite of mine. I've been mm. mostly watching him, watching highlight films of him. And it always struck me, like, how can a guy that's that good? He's a first-round pick. Delaware. And I guess you, you you broke the news to me, Simon, that evidently his grades were terrible. Mm. And that's why he got to Delaware. Because my guy's actually playing at Alabama or Clemson. 
yeah, he ended up on the honor roll, so he worked hard to yeah. get the grades up. I'm so he was, sure you know, so. but yeah, it does. He's he's going to be a first round pick, I think. Yes, yeah, there, there's that. There's some of that buzz about him. I, I think he's got the range. I think that if you look at the safety class, that's that's sort of why he might be a first round pick because I don't really, I haven't really dug this safety class. Yeah. He reminds uh, me. Of, he reminds me a bit of a guy I loved last year who turned out to have a really strong year, which is Jesse Bates of Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I, I think he's more of a. I think he's more of a nickel, nickel yeah. safety than than maybe Bates might have been. Yeah, but, the center but, fielder. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um. I, and he reminds me a little bit actually that way of uh, what's his name, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the, uh, yes. yeah. the guy in Florida. Yeah, I think Nasir Adderley. I I I first started watching because I'm I watch a bunch of Easton Stick film. And we've talked about quarterback Easton Stick. Yeah, he absolutely smoked some guy from. From North Dakota from, State. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so I, I first started watching that game, and I, I start seeing this safety running around. And actually, one of the plays that I saw it was was like, okay, I knew where he was. He was in he was in deep center field. He was he was kind of going to his left and uh, or to to my left as I'm watching from the field view. And and Easton Stick is freezing there with his eyes, and then he comes all the way over to the right hand side and throws a big deep ball. And um and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute, what what just happened? The safety is there at the ball. Like, uh, how did that how did that happen? Because I know where that deep center safety was, you know, just a few seconds ago, and that kind of range is what stood out to me. And then I started watching the rest of the game, and you know, he lit a guy up. There was a there was an RPO that uh, that Easton stick through to a tight end, and he just absolutely lit up the guy near the goal line, and um, and you know, separated the ball from him. He really looked, he really looked very good. He looked like a nice, uh, nice rangy safety. I worry about his size a little bit and, uh, and wonder how high he's going to go um, because of that size. He's, he's a guy that's probably going to have to run well. Um, you'd hate to be just like maybe the best safety of a bad group or something like that. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what stood out to me. Right. Coming up, we shall uh, essentially do the podcast equivalent of shooting ourselves in the face by talking about the New England Patriots in their 19,000th Super Bowl in the last 19,000 years. You can sense the joy in my voice. Anyway, listen to this first. On the Five Reasons Podcast, we've got you covered on everything Miami sports. We've got a podcast out every Monday on the Dolphins and the football weekend. We've got original reporting on the big sports stories you care about, like trade talks involving Jimmy Butler and JT Real Muto, and great guests on both current events and a little Miami sports nostalgia. On a recent episode, we were joined by former Heat guard Tim Hardaway. Pat Rowley didn't want me to talk trash. We had to sit down and say, you know, he said, you know, I don't want you to be out there talking I want you to be, you know, concentrate on what we need to do and helping us win. So I was like, all right, fine. I, I won't talk because, you know, I like I like to talk. So I said, well, let me do it in practice. He said, okay, you can do it in practice, but not in game. I said, all right, fine. We've got you covered on the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> chasing me. Because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. So welcome back to Three Arts Picari. I'm Simon Clancy, along with my colleagues and good friends, Chris Kaufman and Alfredo Artiaga. I did you call you Alberto, which would be really bizarre. Well, that's my middle name, that... by the way. Really? Yes. Your, your middle name is Alberto? Yes. No way. You my are Alfredo Alberto? <laughs> my name is Alfredo Alberto Artiaga. A-A-A. Triple A. You're the triple A. Sensational. Which is interesting because I, I probably should be an AA, but yeah, my, my initials are AAA. That's phenomenal. Chris, have you got a middle name? I do. It's Joseph. Okay. It's not, Alf- it's not Alberto. Yeah, I know. Chris Joseph and I share two names. Yes. Nice. Never trust, never trust a man with two first names. In fact, we've, my middle name's Charles. We've all got two first names. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well. As I said, so exciting. Yeah, that was a low. As I said, <laughs> excitingly, before the break, it's the Super Bowl this weekend where uh, the entire nation uh, prays that Jared Goff and the LA Rams can beat uh, the New England Patriots. Now, if you'd like to bet, you can do so with our friends and our colleagues at BetDSI. Uh, they've been with us for months now. We very much appreciate their support. They have the Patriots as two-point favorites, so hopefully they'll never deal with us again. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I think the Rams should be favourites because the Rams are going to win. Uh, we'll discuss that in a moment. But if you want to bet, you can do so either using your phone because they have an excellent mobile interface or your laptop. They're also very trustworthy. 20 years of experience and an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment of your winnings. Now, probably get started with some extra bang for your buck. They are offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500, not pounds, dollars for free. That's double your money from the get-go and then they've got every wager you can think of not just the Super Bowl but whatever's going on in the world of sports be it basketball baseball when the season starts esports the Premier League all sorts of things you bet on who's going to win the Oscars for example whatever you want bet DSI have got the bet now we've got a promo code uh, which is uh, Yards101 so you go to bet DSI use the promo code Yards101 start betting and get money from bet DSI today anyway time to talk about the Super Bowl um, Speaking uh, of betting, do you know how many prop bets they have for this game on Sunday? What's a prop bet? I'll give you uh, – prop bets are like things like uh, you could bet on if the first pass that Tom Brady throws is incomplete or completed. Okay. Mm, okay. Uh, or the, the length of the, uh, the national anthem. Exactly. Or the coin toss, the winner of the coin toss. Or a really interesting bet that I saw. It is either plus 115 – that C.J. Anderson catches less than four and a half yards receiving. 
And if you think about it, I think he has like two receptions in six weeks. So six years. (laughs) So my my favorite one of all time though was Will No Sean Moreno cry during the anthem. Yes, that was a a number of years back. But those and they also they have they have a line where their Tony Romo will predict the play correctly. Uh, I don't know what any of that means because I'm not a betting person. But ultimately, I reckon it will be a high-scoring game. I suspect it will be about 35-31 or something like that, 35-32. Look, I don't care what – honestly, honestly, I don't give a shit what happens as long as the Rams win. If the Patriots win, I just – it's just going to be – it's just going to be awful. Can you imagine the wanky think pieces that are going to be written about this shit that we have to put up with month after month? Tom Brady doing those wanky little Instagram videos with Rob Gronkowski and shit like that. I, I can't stand it, frankly. My entire NFL existence is based around the Dolphins winning or losing, as we do, and whether or not the Patriots lose. I can't relax until these fuckers are out of the playoffs. Last week, when they cheated their way past the Chiefs with that just... I can't even. Bear. I mean, the celebration that I made when when Brady got picked off at the end, only for to find out that D Ford had lined up offside. I mean, like I could have fucking killed. He was offside in the football, could... and then he fixed himself at the left side. I could have fucking killed D Ford. <laughs> I mean, it's just a start. I was just like, yeah. And then Romo said, "It's definitely a penalty against the Patriots." He's like, yes, Tony never gets these fuckers wrong. And what happened? He got it wrong. The only thing he got wrong all night was that. So I don't care what I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's three. I don't care if it's two nil. 3-2, as long as the Rams win. And I think they will. I think they've got enough talent. But, but yeah, that's what yeah, I think that, will happen. Well, the and, answer to my question, I will, and I will take my the question over. is over. <laughs> because it's 195 <laughs> prop bets that they have for this game on Sunday. Yes. So if, you bet, so if you bet $11 on each of these prop bets, you would bet in excess of 2,000 American dollars. No, well, I mean a lot of people are going to bet that much on the Super Bowl. That's the, I mean that's that's the game, man. That's that's where money flows. But what is interesting is that they're taking the MVP lines off of off of offline oh. until Friday, because really? a lot of people like me are itching to plunk down some money on Todd Gurley at fifteen to one, but nobody knows the status of his knee. Who's going to be the MVP? Well, Tom Brady's a favorite right now. It's Todd yeah, Gurley. But screw the favorites. Who's who, who? Do you think will be the MVP? I think Todd Gurley will be the MVP. That's yeah. that's where I'm going. I'm going Todd Gurley. And I'm hoping I get anywhere near that 15 to one that was earlier advertised. Do you know? Do you know Aaron Donald this year? Like Pro Football Focus has him tallied for 21 sacks, and the nearest guy on the uh, on the Rams and Dominican Sue has five. And wow. and. Corey Littleton, who's a coverage linebacker, has four. Uh, <laughs> it's um, you know, I, I like Samson Abicam actually, who's an outside linebacker for them, and, and Dante Fowler has done a decent job. But I wonder, like, so we always talk about middle pressure getting to Tom Brady, and that's all fine and good. But also some of those games where we we beat Tom Brady. Some of those games were Cameron Wake. You know, some of those games were Jason Taylor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, you better be able to get to them. And, yeah, and some – well, I mean, but the outside pressure, those those premium pass rushers uh, have also harassed Tom Brady in I wonder, Miami. I wonder how often they'll blitz uh, both John Johnson, but especially Mark Barron. Mm. Um, 
just well, to just to aid that kind of interior pressure. Well, well, he's only got seven. He's only got seven blitzes this year. Mark Barron does. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So well, and and Roby Coleman over, as well is a very good blitzer. We're gla- we're we're glossing over the three hundred and forty-five pound white elephant in the room, which is Wade Phillips is on the other side of of Tom Brady. <laughs> he's not up. Wait, he's not three forty-five. Come on, that's def- I'll definitely take the under on that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big, what do you he's a big man, bills? but he's not 345. Three bills no over way. or under? No, under. There's no way he's 300 pounds. <laughs> he he is an entertaining guy. True story. I, I met him. Uh, he, he did. By the way, did he, you see how he got off the plane? He dressed like his dad. Did, did he, he really? Like he had the, the, the ranchero yes. coat. He I remember. Like hog. Yeah. I remember thinking this. That this was this was I think maybe 2010 or 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2010. He was coaching the Shrine game. He was he was one of the head coaches, and now the Shrine Game. Their head coaches, until recently, they started getting NFL assistants to do it. Um, their head coaches were always like sort of these out of work guys, like you know maybe like I, maybe June Jones come back and do it, or uh, you know, uh, or I think they, they even had, had John Gruden do it one year. Uh, yeah, one I I never saw John Gruden do it and during my tenure at the Shrine Game over the last uh, ten years, but but I, you know they they usually get these kind of guys. These there's out out of work. Michael Mike Singletary came back and did it. He, he didn't have a job at the time, and so they had Wade Phillips doing it. And he he Dan Reeves was on the other side, and Dan Reeves of course also out of work at the time. And so you're you're kind of like ah oh, these are older coaches. They're they're out of it. They're not they're not going to get back in the NFL. Except he did get back, and he is back in the NFL, or he's been back in the NFL, and he's still brilliant. He's still Wade Phillips is still an awesome, awesome defensive coordinator, and also a great interview. I interviewed him uh, at the Shrine Game. We actually, true story, we had a practice in the hotel ballroom because there was inclement weather at the practice field, so they cleared up the the ballroom and had everybody just like running around and uh, and and blocking each other. A guy got blocked into a giant potted plant and shattered it and um and like another guy i know uh, a friend of ours got bowled over he's sitting down on his laptop and just got trucked uh, it was a it was a really interesting practice but wade phillips was an awesome interview so i'm, I'm like rooting for him here i really want him he's a hell of a coach and i'm, I'm well i mean aside from the obvious i want the want the patriots to lose but there's a lot of there's a lot of interest on that Rams team that that I'm kind of rooting for. Now now here's the thing about this game: the Patriots don't play boring Super Bowls. They don't necessarily kill anybody either. They did last year. Last year, I mean, last year was a great Super Bowl. It was a great Super Bowl, but I mean, Philly Philly kind of laid it on at the end, didn't they? I mean, I, I don't give a. F- I mean, I'd love for them to lose about six well, no, four right, three. Right. That's, well, the game came out. That does make for a great Super Bowl, doesn't it? 40 winning 40 well i guess it was 41 33 so it was eight points yeah but every every one of their super bowls has been exciting and has come down basically to one possession uh the one that was pretty you know it was pretty much over when you know donald mcnad threw up all over himself was the first super bowl against the eagles but the rest of them have been pretty exciting patriots don't they don't kill anybody in the super bowl Wait, didn't that Super Bowl, didn't that Super Bowl against the Eagles, though, um, didn't it also come down to, like, three points? Ooh. That came oh, down that- right down to the wire, but the Eagles scored a touchdown late to draw close. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, every single one of the Patriots Super Bowl, all nine of them, because this is, this is going to be their ninth, right? Or do I have that wrong, too? 
Don't no, this worry. is their ninth because this is Tom Brady's ninth trip to the Super Bowl, which is insane. <sighs> ridiculous so they've had eight trips to the super bowl all eight have been close all eight have I know, been i know one. that they've lost i don't i count how many super bowls they've lost they've lost <laughs> three super bowls they lost <laughs> to the giants twice and they lost to the eagles now and here's now a point of concern for me in these playoffs jared goff mm-hmm. quarterback rating without play action 54 with play action 119 what do you make of that, Chris? I think let's do play action the entire game. I don't. Know. <laughs> um, I, what he is is he's been he's been he's been really poor on the road. I think uh, this year, if you if you really look at his his um his splits, and so you know this is this is on the road, but the Super Bowl is weird. I mean, it's it's on the road, but it's not necessarily on the road. You know, it's um it's not it's not in the other team's home stadium you know that sort of this is in in atlanta right i mean yes. where is this mm. yeah. um so i mean you know it's it might not be the jared goff on the road that you fear if you're a rams fan because that has been pretty terrible but um but you know hopefully maybe that maybe that's just me hope springs eternal for me i don't know but uh but i that's that's what my that's what i'm sticking to I like that Roby Coleman uh, said that Tom Brady is beginning to show his age on mm-hmm. film. Like, uh, I don't know why he would say something like that. But I mean, the, some of the some of the Rams, some of the Rams like, love to talk trash. Though Marcus Peters can can yes. can trust me. He can outdo uh, Nickel Roby Col- uh, Coleman on on trash talking. Just let just give him a microphone. Now, one thing that I'm afraid of is this. After I I read that stat to you. If, you know, the Patriots are infamous for taking away what you do best. Mm. If the Rams, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll go around here. I'll go to Simon first. If the Rams are unable to run the football, let's say they run for less than 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Can they win? Yeah, of course. Because I think that, uh, I think golf is good enough. The passing game is good enough. I mean, Cooper Cup is a big loss. But, you know, you look at the, the, the two Titans, they got Everett and the the kid they drafted last year. Um, Higby. Completely scared. Uh, yeah, Higby. Higby. Um, you know they've got uh, the the two guys in the backfield who can both you know especially Gurley who can both block but can both catch the ball out of the backfield and then the receivers I think beyond uh, Cooks I think the receivers are underrated I think Robert Woods is a really good player a terrific route runner um, and I think they've done well with the guys coming through Josh Reynolds and stuff who have kind of covered and picked up some of the slack from Cooper Cup defensively you know it starts and finishes with Donald they play that hybrid linebacker at hybrid safety at linebacker they've, they've got good safeties they're decent on the corner if the two guys are healthy which seems like Nico Roby Coleman is a good is a good um, uh, nickel corner and they've got a, a, a tremendous special teams unit you know Johnny Hecker can throw Johnny Hecker is a great punter and Greg the Leg can uh, as evidence in the NFC Championship game can boom kicks from 57 plus to, <laughs> to win games so you know like Chris said they are probably the most well-rounded team in the league and they're brilliantly coached both offensively defensively and special teams by John Fossil they are a, a very very strong team I think that it's going to be different so the Patriots don't really like to play base defense they've they've only done it like 12 percent of the time this year um and and the la rams actually will i mean their passing game is obviously all 11 personnel it's all one one running back one uh one tight end and three wide receivers but um but they will actually run the ball out of you know out of two tight end personnel and they can do it successfully and when they do it 
you know, are, are the Patriots, do, does Brian Flores and Bill Belichick and, and all those boys get a little too cute and try and maintain that, um, that nickel defense out there, even though they've got two tight end looks out, the Rams are going out there with two tight end looks. If that's the case, then the Rams could run the ball and they could, you know, jam it right down their throat. Uh, at the same time, uh, if the Patriots are out there with those nickel fronts and, um, and dime, you know, hey, the Rams are gaining 5.2 yards per carry out of, out of 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field with Todd Gurley. So if they get back to that, with him, with he and C.J. Anderson, then yeah, they really can. Um, they really can. Uh, you, this isn't like Bill Belichick. He he went into the lab, right? He went into the lab against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that was the sort of offense that you had to do that to, right? Too, because it was uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, really unique challenges that uh, the Chiefs' offense present. I don't think that the Rams' offense is like that it, it's been so effective because of how you know just fundamentally sound and simple it is if that makes sense like it's not they 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 line up with the same group over and over again and then they just move all these guys in different uh in different places and and run plays um and and so i think that i don't know that you can do you, you can't just stump the guy because you put terrell buckley on marshall falk uh, this time around uh, against the Rams. That's not the kind of offense they are. So um, so I don't know that if there's going to be some mad genius formula for New England on defense to actually stop the Rams' offense. I think the Rams could just get to basics and and overrun them. I mean, that's the hope anyway. And the, the, the Patriots will try to, try to fight that by maybe going with some bare fronts and covering the guards in the center with their defensive linemen. But, uh, you know, who knows if it works? We'll see. All right. And conversely, do you think, Simon, that the Patriots need to establish the running game to win this game? Or can it really just fall on Tom Brady's arm? And can he win no, it alone? Uh, no, I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can. I mean, it, it, it would be good to get help from Sony Michelle and Burkett. I think what they'll do is I think Brady will essentially go back to something that he did so successfully for many years, which is use the, the, the two, three step drop and short passing game as an extension of the run game. Um, I think he won't be allowed. He won't allow. And I don't think Josh McDaniels will allow for him to stand in the pocket for four or five seconds because Aaron Donald will get there. And as good as Shaq Mason and David Andrews and those guys on the inside are, Aaron Donald is a special, special beast. Um, and I don't think he will be afforded the time to stand in the pocket. I think he'll be making very quick throws, short balls to James White and Julian Edelman uh, uh, and those guys. He'll then be expected to make plays in the open field, make guys miss and just just churn the, churn the ball down the field. Um, I suspect that, that, that's what, that will be how it plays out. I'm a little conflicted because... This this has been a really important part. I mean, for the for the New England Patriots this year, um, being able to establish that ground game with Sony Michelle uh, and keep it going, and they've used a lot of twenty one personnel, like two running backs, and um, they've used twelve person some twelve personnel, but they favor sort of heavier looks on offense because they know that I think the um, the the league has become so specialized towards nickel defense and and dime defense now and, and that's that includes the rams the rams are uh, are very specialized on defense toward um toward that nickel and and dime stuff so a big part of the patriots plan for success to me is actually being able to line up in 21 
and run the ball and keep yourself ahead of schedule. And that's when Tom Brady is just asking, you know, he's just off the charts. Good. Um, so that is, that does seem important to me, but at the same time, you're talking about the Super Bowl and you're talking about Tom Brady. How many times has he done this? Um, maybe, maybe what I'll say is that um, Tom Brady can do it in the special situations in the game, the end of the half, uh, toward the end of the game, fourth quarter, if, if we're talking about passing and, uh, and trying to answer scores or come back. I'm, clearly, Tom Brady can do it in those special situations. But in the first quarter, in, through most of the second quarter and you know the third quarter, if the Patriots are not able to run that ball and establish that with Sony Michelle, then I do think they're in trouble. Um, so, that, I mean, we'll have to see. Now, what do you make of this, uh, this little tidbit that came out over the weekend where Bill Belichick was asked if he had had any contact with Sean McVay, and he said, yeah, I know him, and that was all he said. <laughs> but they asked Sean McVay about Bill Belichick, and Sean McVay revealed, and this scared the hell out of me, he had revealed that Bill Belichick had been calling him after every single game this year. Could it have been that that son of a bitch has been handicapping the Rams in the Super Bowl as his opponent all goddamn year long and was mining him for information simon did that scare you as much as it scared me no i don't <laughs> no not really belichick you just think he was calling do you think he was calling sean payton after every single game i no uh, uh, belichick collects good coaches i mean and yeah. that's sort of what he does he 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 hobnobs with other good coaches he they visit with each other in, in off-seasons and, you know, share ideas and stuff like that. That's part of why he's so good is when he identifies a good coach, um, he really – I mean, he reaches out. And he, he, he does it with some of the college coaches you see. Um, Nick Saban, obviously, everybody knows that they have a relationship. But some other guys, I mean, we've heard about Bill Belichick kind of um, just, you know, shooting the shit with and, and – exchanging ideas with I mean this is what he does and I think that's what he's doing with Sean McVay because I think he really does admire what they're doing on offense and I think what he admires is probably the simplicity of it rather than um than you know some of the some of the more complicated offenses that you see out there um I think he really respects what the Rams can do and if anything that's that's more of a harbinger for this game for if you're a new England Patriots fan, because if Bill Belichick really, really, really respects that offense, that means he's, he's figuring he's going to have a hard time against it. Um, so Chris mm. prediction. I don't know that. I don't know that I'm going to have a high scoring affair here, but um, let's, I, I'm going to say that it's going to be 26 to maybe 20 uh, in favor of the Rams. And I think that um, what the Rams will do is be able to establish that run game, for most of the game and maybe new England does have trouble establishing the run game for the quarters that I talked about the first, most of the second, third. Uh, and I think that the Patriots end up getting that 20 points and end up making a game of it because in those special situations, Tom Brady is hell on wheels to try and, uh, to try and stop. Alf. Okay. I got it. 30, 27 Rams. And with Todd Gurley being, the bell cow in this game, running for about 150 yards and getting the MVP. But I think that this game will be back and forth for, for the most part. I do not think that Jared Goff has shown that he could just carry a, a team against a, a pretty learned defense in, in the Patriots. He's going to need a running game to go for him, and he will have it on Sunday, and they win. 
I think the Rams will win. I think it'll be 35-32. I think you underestimate Jared Goff a little bit. Um, but I think Aaron Donald will be the MVP of this one. And I mean, I just pray that we're sitting here next week to just talking about how funny it was that the Patriots lost yet another Super Bowl because that would just make me yeah, frankly. That's it for this week. Uh, we've done Super Bowl. We've done Senior Bowl. We've done coaches. Uh, we should be back next week. Uh, at this point, we will should probably, I mean, as I just said, hopefully celebrating a Patriots defeat. We should probably be celebrating a new head coach because Brian Flores will be on the brink. We may have news of more coaches, so we shall see. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, enjoy it more if the Rams win, and we'll catch you soon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.